Welcome to the Compass Christian Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. For more information, visit us at compasslu.org. All right, well, here we go. We're starting today with what is Compass? And so, you know, we're excited. We've been thinking about this for about a year and a half. That's how long it's been building up to this day, this moment. And really, for me, it's been longer than that. Um, And again, my name is Will, and I'm the head pastor here. And for those that that don't know me, I felt called to ministry at about age 16. And my wife and I got married 13 years ago. And when we got married, um, what was in mind immediately was ministry service. And so we went down that road with the former church, and that that door got closed eventually. And so the last seven years or so have been uh, prayer, considering our next steps, our next moves. And so it's it's wonderful it's wonderful to be here. And before I get too far, I do also want to thank our friends here at Kenneth Israel, uh, the synagogue here where we're meeting. Uh, we're so thankful for their partnership as well. It's a beautiful room here, isn't it? Yeah. It's just remarkable. If you have time, you should peek your head into their big, uh, big synagogue meeting uh, room over there. It's gorgeous. Um, it's absolutely fantastic. So they've been very accommodating. Some of the equipment we're using is their equipment, um, and just the space has been fantastic as well. They've been very uh, opening to us. And, of course, for, for my part, uh, there's a special feeling planting a church in a synagogue, just like the Apostle Paul. That's what he frequently did is planted churches in synagogues. So I hope we can follow in Paul's footsteps just a little bit. He was a pretty successful church planner, I think, so (laughs) I hope we can see some of that as well. So if you'll go to the next slide, Jason. Uh, If you see bags under my eyes, I just wanted to explain uh, a little bit of what's happened in my life this week. Um, My wife is on the left there with our newborn son, Isaac. He was born on the 14th, so she's at home and he's at home, but he's been a a fantastic baby. And then my two kids, uh, Hannah there is three and a half, almost four, and then Liam on the far right has just turned six and is in kindergarten. And they both love baby brother. So, so that's the world that we're living in right now. So hopefully I'll be coherent this morning. <laughs> All right. So what is Compass? Uh, seeing that this is a new church, I thought that I would talk a little bit about what we, we believe we can offer to the city of Louisville and the larger body of Christ. Uh, we're incredibly thankful to be in a town like Louisville that has such a vibrant existing Christian church scene. Um, so, we, you know, we're not here to uh, overtake or steal away from anybody else. We're here to, to contribute our gifts and our talents and our abilities to an already vibrant Christian community. And when I say we, I'm not just pointing to me and Paula. That's not the we I have in mind. The we I have in mind is everyone here. And that's really the truth about Christian community is that it takes us all working together and serving together to see things happen the way that God wants them to move. And so that's what we're about here. So what is Compass about? Well, our motto at Compass is following Jesus together. And we believe here, as many do, that Jesus' life is a powerful example of what human life can be. We want to follow the example that Jesus gave us of a life marked by self-sacrificial love, obedience to his Father, and the power of the Holy Spirit. If you have a Bible, feel free to join me in John chapter 14. I like to read from the ESV, but you can follow along in any version you like. When I was thinking about, uh, we were coming up with the name for the church and thinking about the name and the motto and all the things we were doing, this was 
one of the first verses that came to mind for me, thinking about uh, a compass being our guide, being the thing that points us in the right direction. Well, in life, in, in the life that we live, we believe that Jesus is the one that points us in the right direction. He's the one who leads us to the Father. And in John 14, verse 6, it says, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And this is what we believe Compass is about. Compass is about following the one who is the way to the Father. Our ultimate goal here at Compass is to glorify Yahweh, who is Jesus' Father, his God. And the one who shows us the way to the Father is Jesus, the Son, our Lord, our King, our Messiah. If you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, this will be the other passage we'll stay in this morning. Ephesians chapter 2. Paul uses a different, a different type of phrasing to say some similar things here. And I, I thought about this passage in Ephesians 2 because, again, Paul's ministry was um, a mixed ministry to a mixed group of people. He, when he was planting churches, often he started in synagogues. He started by talking to the local Jewish community in whatever city or town that he was in. And eventually he frequently also reached out to Gentile communities and brought them into the fold as well. And so here in mind in Ephesians chapter 2 is this difference historically between these two groups of people. And I thought it was fitting since we're meeting in a synagogue to read a passage such as this and to see how following Jesus comes out of a passage like this. So in verse 11 here of Ephesians chapter 2, it says, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. So here Paul is talking about two different groups of people. He's talking about uh, the Gentiles or the uncircumcision. And then he's talking about the circumcision, which are the Jews. And historically speaking, the Jews were the ones that had all the benefits relating to God. They were the ones who received the law. They were the ones who received the original covenants. They were the ones who had a relationship with God over a long period of time. And so when Jesus came and we pro provide the way that we have for salvation, for new life, they were the ones who were immediately in mind. They were like the first recipients. You know, Jesus' original disciples and the original ministry in the book of Acts were to the Jews. And then eventually it spreads out. It spreads out and, and the Gentiles get pulled in as well. What's very fascinating here is that Paul talks about circumcision. And circumcision was a big sign of the faith of Judaism. But even the physical act of circumcision wasn't in God's mind as like the big thing from the beginning. Even in the law, it talks about the circumcision of the heart, that being the more important circumcision. And so here he's going to develop this idea of what is available now in Christ. And that is that those who had no hope and were without God now can have hope and can have a relationship with God through Jesus. In verse 13, it says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility 
by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. So here in this section, Paul is talking about those who were once far off. And again, in his mind, he's thinking about Gentiles. In, in our modern time, we don't usually think as much about Jews versus Gentiles. That's not the distinction that we typically make. We usually make the distinction of believer or Christian and unbeliever. That's sort of the difference. And I think this text applies to that as well. Those who are not in Christ, those who are unbelievers, they're ones who are fall, far off. And those are the ones that we can bring in close to Christ by preaching the gospel to them. Here, they talk, he talks about making uh, Jesus is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down the, in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. There was a, a, a separation in the original temple between where the Gentiles could go and where the Jews could go. That's the dividing wall of hostility he's talking about here. But we can think about this in our time a little bit differently as a wall of hostility between us and other people, generally. But there's another layer here to the peace that is offered through Christ, and perhaps even more important, and that is the general separation that humankind has felt separated from God. And that is the bridge that Jesus Christ spanned for us. And it says in verse 16 again, and he and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. So in and through Jesus, we now have the ability to have peace with people around us, and we have the ability to have peace with God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. It's just unbelievable. We were once far off, and now we've been brought near by the blood of Christ. In verse 17, it says, And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So again, in his mind, he has uh, those who are far off being the Gentiles and those who are near being the Jews. But again, I think we can see this as believers and unbelievers and understanding that we take the the place of jesus in some respect by walking in his stead in this life he is not on this earth right now but we as we follow his example as we dedicate our lives uh, in serving him and serving others we're the ones who can bring this good news of peace to the community that we're in whether that's louisville or another community and those who are far off, who have not accepted Christ, that's unbelievable news for them to hear, that they can be reconciled to the one who created the universe, that they can have a relationship with God. They can have a relationship in peace with other people through Christ. It's just unbelievable to me to think that, that God, the creator of the universe, he wants to have a relationship with us. Have you ever stopped to think about like prayer in that, that mindset? Sometimes I think about prayer and I think, you know, it's at the end of the day, it's been a busy day. And I think, oh man, I haven't prayed much today. I guess I better pray. You know, that's the Christian thing to do, right? Some of us, maybe none of you have experienced that. I know, I know I've experienced that. But what is prayer? Prayer is talking to the one who created the heavens and the earth. Prayer is the one 
is talking to the one who sent his son in love to redeem us. What, what more important relationship do we have than that relationship? And he's the one who made the first move. He's the one who reached out to us. He's the one who wanted to have a relationship with us. In verse 19, because of this act of God through Christ, it says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him... In the Lord Jesus, you are also also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So here Paul talks about citizenship. And I think that it's it's really interesting to think about citizenship in light of this passage. Because again, in this passage, he's been talking about Jews and non-Jews. That's what he's been talking about. Well, in the in the uh, Jewish scriptures, in the Mosaic Law. How were you a citizen of the people of God? Essentially, you were a citizen of the people of God by birth. And then it was sealed with the sign of circumcision and, and compliance with the Mosaic law and things, things like that. And so people like us, many of us who are not Jews, who are Gentiles, we were not born into, we would not have been born into that covenant under that relationship. We would have been strangers. We would have been foreigners from this covenant and from the promises that were given to Israel. And so now, now because of the accomplishments of Jesus, because of what he's done, now we are fellow citizens. Now we have gained citizenship in the people of God. Now we have the ability to say, hey, this is my real nation. This is who I really belong to. Paul talks about it another place, talking about our status as ambassadors. Well, what is an ambassador? An ambassador is someone sent from a foreign country designed to build relationship with the people of that foreign country. What better thing can we think about for ourselves that we are citizens of the kingdom of God, that that is our primary citizenship. And look, I'm thankful for my citizenship in the United States. It allows me a lot of uh, liberty. It allows me a lot of freedom to do the things that I want to be here today to talk about this. If we were in another country, we could not do this as openly or as freely. I'm thankful for that. But my primary citizenship is in the kingdom of God. That is where my citizenship belongs. And that's where your citizenship belongs. And so because of that, in the world around us, when we interact with people who are not believers, they are not Christians, our responsibility is to help them see us as ambassadors, bringing them, reconciling them back to Christ. And that's some of the good news that we have to share here. Here at the end of this passage, it talks about building the temple. And here Paul uses the analogy of, of the temple as the people of God collectively. And collectively, the Christian church around the world throughout all time is being built up into a temple worthy of worshiping God. And this happens in the Lord, in, in him, in Jesus. It happens by following him, people deciding to follow him. Now here there's a, a term that's used in this passage, uh, cornerstone. And there's a couple different views on it. I wanted to share the, the different views. 
Uh, the first view on Cornerstone, and I would say probably the most likely view on Cornerstone, is it's referring to the foundation stone that would be placed when you were first starting to build a big building. And so if you imagine a huge stone being placed at the, at the beginning corner, and then everything else is built off of that. That's sort of like the standard that everything else gets built off of. And it's usually the biggest, most important stone that was the cornerstone in ancient times. And certainly Jesus is that for us. He is the foundation that we are to build our entire lives upon. Uh, the other uh, component of this is uh, the idea of a capstone in an arch. There is a, a headstone or a capstone that goes on an, on an archway where the arch will fall apart if it doesn't have that top stone. That top stone actually like snaps the whole thing into place and allows the structure to be self-supporting at the very end. And so that's another way we can think about this as well. But either, either way we view this, the point is, is that we, we are to follow Jesus. We are to view him as the foundation for our lives and for the work that we do in this world. So as we were thinking about the naming of the church and, and uh, what we were planning on doing here in Louisville, we, we think about what, what a compass is. Think about what a compass is practically. Well, a compass is simply a piece of equipment that people use to find their way. Uh, we can use compasses on ships. We can use them if you're hiking in the woods, whatever the case might be. Uh, but a compass usually also requires either some knowledge of the terrain or a map. And in our case, when we think about applying this metaphor to Christian living, we have a map. This is our map, right? The Bible is our map. This is the thing that can guide us. But in addition to the map, we have a living Lord and Savior. We have Jesus Christ, our Lord. And he is the one who can guide us to the Father. He is the one who can do that. So... Uh, we want to live in a way that honors God. And to do that, to live in a way that honors God, it's going to look like what Jesus did. Because what did he do all the time? Everything that he did honored God. It was the will of the Father, exactly. So how will we, again, I mentioned earlier, our, our, our motto is following Jesus together. How will we follow Jesus together? Well, I can't give you an exhaustive list <laughs> of all the things that we're going to do to follow Jesus together. But here are four things I thought of that uh, would be helpful. The first one is uh, we're going to be missional. And that's a technical term, so I'm going to break it down a little bit. What missional means is outward focused, not solely inward focused. So People call that missional church when you intentionally reach out quite a bit to the community in various ways through volunteer efforts and, and all sorts of ways. Um, Jesus was unique. His ministry was unique in the context of the Bible because before Christ, there weren't many people that went out on outreach missions. Uh, there's a couple of examples in the Old Testament. Uh, Jonah, probably most famously, the one who was sent to go preach to Nineveh, right? Uh, that's a sort of a funny, funny account there, an interesting record. But what Jesus did is he traveled around teaching people, healing them, taking care of them, bringing them into right relationship with God. And that's what we want to do. We want to serve our local community in similar ways through volunteering, through partnering with local nonprofits, uh, providing resources to those in need, among many other things that we're going to be doing. Uh, another thing that we think about 
in light of what we can offer is to be open. Uh, when I think about the ministry of Jesus, one of the remarkable things about Jesus, there are many remarkable things about him, but one of the remarkable things about him is how open he was to both asking questions and answering questions. Questions play a pivotal role throughout his ministry, and he wasn't afraid of any question. Uh, he was open, and sometimes he even answered questions with questions, so that's unique. And so we want to be open, open to all sorts of questions. If you are new to the faith and you have questions, we want to talk about those questions. If you've been a Christian for a long time and something's been puzzling you and you want to talk about it, there is literally no question that's off limits. And even if you have a question about something that's in our statement of faith, we'd love to talk to you. And if you bring up some great questions and great points, guess what? If you read our statement of faith online, we promise that we're willing to investigate things and change them if necessary. So we are definitely open to talking about theology seriously. And if we don't have the answer, we're not afraid to say that. <laughs> we're not afraid to say we don't have the answer. And then we'll do our best together to find an answer. So we are a new church. We don't have a long tradition we don't have a long doctrinal statement to uphold. Uh, we desire to be a place where people can believe differently and still find unity and community in the Lord. That's what we want to do. Uh, the next thing we want to do is be diverse. And this one's a little different because it's not something that I can control. It's not something that any of us can really control uh, entirely. But I think in the original context, again, of Jesus' ministry, he had to pick 12 disciples who were Jews, who were men. That was sort of like the cultural thing that probably needed to happen in that culture and in that time. Even though women did play a prominent role in his ministry, I don't want to don't minimize that. But even though all 12 were Jewish men, I've always found it fascinating that one of them was a zealot. And a zealot is someone who wanted to have a revolution against Rome and was okay with murdering Romans. You know, that's, that's on one side, there was a zealot. On the other side, there was a tax collector. A tax collector is someone who got paid by Rome, who complied with Rome, who went along with everything that Rome wanted to do. So do you think that there were some conversations between those two as they were in the wilderness going from one location to the other? Don't you think that there were things that both of them eventually had to lay at the foot of the cross and give up because of what their new walk in Christ was? And so, so here we see, even among 12 Jewish men of antiquity, there was diversity among Jesus' disciples. And we want to do our best to promote an environment where that happens. Uh, Revelation 7, 9 says that the kingdom of God will be full of people from every nation, all people, all languages. And it would be wonderful if we could be a small bit of that here at, at Compass. One big advantage of that is that we would, be, uh, we would have an opportunity to learn from each other. And that's really what we'd love to do is have different perspectives and cultivate different perspectives so that we can all learn from one another. Because all the learning should not be coming from me or from Paula or from anyone else who teaches on, on Sunday. The learning should be happening in community with all of us together. And the final thing that I wanted to point out 
things that we want to accomplish is we want to be disciples and we want to um, disciple others. And so our goal here at Compass is to, to provide a lot of opportunities for deeper community through things like small groups, classes, community events, ways where we can be around one another to talk about God, to talk about our Lord Jesus together, to have the Spirit move in those meetings, big and small. Becoming stronger in Christ, it takes time, and it takes a variety of people with a variety of different uh, gifts and abilities to accomplish that. And so that's what we want to do here at Compass. We want to facilitate that in as many ways as we possibly can. We welcome uh, your advice and your feedback on how to make that happen in the coming months and weeks and years. And so what, what is Compass about? Well, Compass is a community of people who believe that we can dedicate our lives to following Jesus and serving one another in love. And we believe that that is the absolute best thing that we can do in this life is to follow our Lord and to honor our God in everything that we do. And so will you pray with me? Lord God, we're so thankful for this opportunity to be together, for the ways in which you've led us all here today. We ask for you to continue to bless our work as we endeavor to follow you and follow your son, Jesus. Lord, it's just unbelievable that we're here finally. We're just so, so thankful. And so we just ask for everyone to have a wonderful rest of their day, to think about ways in which they can follow your son even better for all of us together, coming together as a community and being knit together in love the way that you would have us so that we could display the unity that you've given us in Christ. And so we, we will do our part as much as possible, Lord, to maintain that unity. We ask for your help in doing that. So, Father, we just lift all of the, the people here today, again, the children, for their time in kids' ministry, for them being blessed, and just for, for a great time together, learning from one another, and loving you and your son, Jesus. And it's his, in his name that I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Compass Christian Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. For more information on how we are striving to follow Jesus together here in Louisville, Kentucky, check out our website, compasslu.org, where you can subscribe to our newsletter and view additional resources.